This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. There's a fine line between genius and insanity, and we're walking it. It's the Marketing Madhouse. Hello, I am Moira Vetter, your host for Marketing Madhouse. Today, we're talking about international and global marketing, um, some of the challenges, cultural nuances, uh, business model differences, all kinds of interesting uh, things. And you know, marketing comes to life in completely different ways across the world. And today's guest uh, has lived and worked all over it. So I think you're a, a perfect addition. Um, you've lived in Germany, Belgium, Sweden, which I noted seem to be cold and well-ordered places. So I think you get, I get where your structure uh, comes from. Um, but I am thrilled to be joined by an old friend, former client, uh, instigator, Dorian Usherwood. Um, Dorian is the VP of Integrated Services for Synchrony Bank. Um, but I'm going to let you tell your story from the very, very beginning. Uh, it's pretty cosmopolitan. So so hit it. Great. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah. Um, I do have one point of correction. I would love to have lived in Sweden, but it was Switzerland. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh. Well, that's important. Yeah. Okay. So you're even you're you're not only cold and ordered. You're neutral. Y- yes, somewhat. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, but Switzerland is Switzerland. such a beautiful place to live. I just it have is. to drop that nugget. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of background, you know, as a creative, I started as an artist. I mm-hmm. grew up drawing on furniture around the house, much to my parents' <laughs> chagrin. Um, but unlike a lot of parents, they actually encouraged that. Mm-hmm. And they pushed me into situations where I could express my creativity. Mm-hmm. And so as I grew up, uh, I was born in Germany, lived there for seven years. Then we moved to the States for a year. Then moved back to Europe, to England mm-hmm. for seven years um, or six and a half. What was interesting is I continued that desire to express myself creatively. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really understood that there was a a life beyond school Mm -hmm. when it came to art, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when I started having conversations with people that were doing it for a living Mm -hmm. and uh, ultimately went to school for design, which is, Mm -hmm. again, not something that a lot of parents would have encouraged. Encouraged, yeah. And got an opportunity to go to Carnegie Mellon University. And what was great about that experience is I was there the entire time with everyone else that got a five on their APR art exam. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't yeah. like you were a standout. It was like right. everyone was on equal playing field. So you really had an opportunity to push yourself even harder mm-hmm. uh, to be recognized. Okay, I have a question. I'm going to yeah, stop you in sure. the middle of this. I have a question. I had a, um, a good friend uh, and creative director that I worked with in the past, and he, he was a fine arts major initially. And you're talking about being in there with the best of the best. And it wasn't about expressing your vision. It was a lot of it was about technique and being able to understand distinctions and techniques. So some of the things that I think we're going to talk about, which is nuance, right, and appreciating different ways to 
accomplish things. Was that a part of your education? Yeah, so I was there for um, almost three years studying communication design. Mm -hmm. And then I got an internship during uh, my second summer with the Software Engineering Institute, which Mm -hmm. was on Carnegie Mellon's campus. Mm -hmm. And they were doing work for the Department of Defense. And so my first opportunity to actually do an internship, Mm -hmm. I worked on doing user interface design for how our government does business with other governments around the world. And so I Very was a UI designer, and this is, you know, <laughs> early 1990, I think it was like 1993, 1994. Yeah. yeah. And so I got bitten by the job bug. Mm-hmm. And so I said, do I want to continue studying or do mm-hmm. I want to make money? Yeah. And so I decided to make money. I continued mm-hmm. my studies at Maryland Institute College of Art in design in Maryland and then got a job at a newspaper mm-hmm. doing web stuff. And the web was still very new then, you know, mm-hmm. in the 95 era. And throughout that experience, I was able to use what I'd learned during that mm-hmm. time at Carnegie Mellon to step back and look at what the problem was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times it's easy to rush to a solution. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Carnegie Mellon was really great at teaching us was to pause before you even pick up the tool. You don't know what tool you want to use to solve this problem until Mm -hmm. you really understand the problem and listen. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not the norm when it comes to, especially, you know, I'm now 28 years Mm -hmm. uh, of experience in, and so it would be very easy to go in and say, oh, I know what we should do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting, the point of making sure you understand the problem. And, um, you know, I think this kind of ties into the international thing a little bit. My um, father was a Hungarian immigrant, and uh, I think second was uh, English was his third language. Mm -hmm. And so a big part of my upbringing was making sure I understood what was trying to be communicated. And I think that has always served me in marketing. I don't assume the words that have been told to me Mm -hmm. are true (laughs) or accurate. And I'm digging to make sure I'm understanding the full context. And, you know, that came from having uh, a father who English was not his first language. Um, so talk a little bit. So we're, we're going to go down this rabbit hole of, uh, of international marketing, global marketing, being a business and marketing person all yeah. over the world. But I want to start with the fun part because we talk about there's a lot of genius here, but there's insanity in marketing and advertising. Um, So I would love to hear about something crazy. Let's start with the easy stuff. What is some madness that you experienced in your marketing career? Yeah, so fast forward um, a little bit from school. I got a job with Accenture. Mm -hmm. They were Anderson Consulting at the time. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with technology Mm -hmm. as a creative. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that led to me getting a job at a a pharmaceutical marketing agency here Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. And while I was working there, I was the head of creative services. And because I liked technology and the CEO who was my my boss knew I liked technology, he said, hey, why don't you manage IT as well? Mm -hmm. I said, sure, why not? Mm -hmm. And so I would never forget, it was late one evening and I got a text message, and it was my boss, and he said, we've got an emergency. So there was a power outage on Ashford Dunwoody Road. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, you know, we're standing in the lobby the next morning, and all the leaders of the company were there, and everyone was pretty distressed, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. our executive creative director, Mm -hmm. because, you know, his team did a bulk of that work that was on 
the drive that had actually been fried in the power outage. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's standing around. And I, I was completely calm and composed. And I'll never forget the, the head of HR. She said, why are you so cool? I said, because mm-hmm. I know this can be solved. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't realize, you know, when something's deleted, it's not really deleted. It's mm-hmm. just the data is reformatted in a way mm-hmm. that it's not accessible the way it was before. And so I started doing research on companies that I know have great amounts of creative data and will have likely experienced some type of an outage. Mm-hmm. And so I discovered uh, one of my favorite uh, companies, Industrial Light and Magic, George Lucas. Mm-hmm. So I called them and I said, hey, you know, we've experienced this thing. We do we do some animation and creative for pharma. And I'm just wondering, have you ever had a power, power failure that has resulted in damage to your server Mm -hmm. and if so what kind of data recovery have you you know gone through they connected me with a company out west i made a phone call sent them the drive had several conversations which was amazing because i learned a lot about data recovery all the data was returned to us Mm -hmm. in 30 days you know one of the (laughs) things about that particular story that i love and you know i've worked with a lot i think a lot of people initially try to solve symptoms and little pieces of a problem Mm -hmm. instead of who has the biggest simplest solution and so i'm just impressed that you're like oh i need to go here because they know how to solve this problem and i do think sometimes you can um uh, not get to the heart of something because you're trying too hard you know circling the issue and not going to somebody who has done this a million times. Well, I think a lot of times too, it's it's you have to humble yourself mm-hmm. in order to to look at that as a possible solution. I think we would say, "Oh, we're a big agency, we can solve this." No, there are bigger agencies out there. Right. There are people that have likely solved it before, yeah. so we can cut right to the yeah. solution and and talk to ask for the help you need right go go to the people that have the core competency well i think that's that is a a great message in marketing all the time go to the people that that's their core competency um well uh in a minute we're going to be back and we're going to talk in greater detail about some of the many 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 intricacies about uh global and international marketing so uh, we will be right back with dorian usherwood Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. We're back with the Marketing Madhouse and our guest, Dorian Usherwood. Um, so let's talk about this uh, globe trotting business. You, you've been all over the world, um, and before we talk about marketing, I think there's a, a human piece of this, right? There's the cultural side of being in different places in the world, which I think um, impact how you message, how you connect with people, how you motivate people, which to me is what 
marketing is about. Um, so we, we have lots of topics, and I just want to start kind of digging through them. Um, and one of the things when we started um, preparing for this podcast that you brought up, you talked a little bit about um, the American way versus the way of the, the world. And, you know, you have a unique experience of you were somewhere else, you came here and got a taste of it, you came back, you got more of a taste of it, but then very recently you also uh, lived uh, overseas again for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? What What is the American way versus, and I don't even want to say their way because it's so many pockets of different cultures sure. and you've been in lots of them, but um, wh- what does that look like? Yeah, so it's interesting having grown up overseas, you know, during my adolescent years and then coming over to the States in 1987, I traveled a little bit back and forth, right, mm-hmm. for vacations or trips. But then I was put into a role where we met at Equifax mm-hmm. where we were opening offices or expanding offices in other countries. Yeah. And so I already had a perspective from a startup that I had worked with in the early 2000s that we were opening an office in Chennai, and, uh, Chennai India mm-hmm. and in Shanghai. And just in terms of the brand colors and how we were going to brand the mm-hmm. office in those two different locations, mm-hmm. we had to be very specific and intentional mm-hmm. in understanding what would resonate mm-hmm. uh, from a localization standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I had that perspective, but then looking at where we were going to place other Equifax offices – my role was to, to really look at where were we going to be, and I looked at it not through the lens of, okay, we're a large American corporation and we're going mm-hmm. to replicate what we have here, but I knew that we needed to understand who are the people, what is the culture mm-hmm. in that location, yeah. what resonates with them. I think that's so important for us as Americans. I mean, when it comes to, you know, we are a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. People bring us in when they need to solve problems because we're great at solving problems. Mm-hmm. We're great at expanding thought. Mm-hmm. But we do that under the guise of we're the only ones that can be innovative. Mm-hmm. Whereas I like to approach it from the standpoint of, yes, we do have a, a we are leaders in that area. Mm-hmm. But there are great pockets of leadership and innovation in other parts of the world mm-hmm. that you have to take a step back first and say, well, what what who's the audience number one mm-hmm. uh, so it's not about us pushing it's about us pulling from them right, right? and right. so it was really important for me in that Equifax role to talk to the people on the ground yeah. um, to meet with the people so I remember before I was went to Costa Rica I had several conversations with the folks in Costa Rica before I even went there mm-hmm. to find out what resonates mm-hmm. um, we opened an office uh, or we refurbished an office in Madrid I didn't get to go there, but I was able to solve that by having conversations. Mm -hmm. And it was something as simple as bathroom signs. Mm -hmm. And what would resonate there versus what resonated here was Mm -hmm. completely different. Mm -hmm. And that was a great learning because it was down at that granular level. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about business, and I recently, as you mentioned, lived in Belgium and Switzerland, it's really interesting, especially in Europe. Uh, And I've been to... Uh, some parts of the the Middle East, and I'll tell you, everywhere you go is different. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty, I think, of Europe is, you know, here in the States, I can drive from, you know, Georgia to Alabama to Mississippi to Texas. Walmart, Zaxby's, McDonald's. And we all speak English, right? 
Now there are some small cultural nuances mm-hmm. based on the state. But in Europe, mm-hmm. I can drive and I drove 15 minutes from Switzerland to Germany to do grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. And then 20 minutes in another direction to do grocery shopping in France. And those were and a all different three currency, very different, language. different experiences. Right, right. Or the euro now. But yeah, yeah. And huge so, difference. And, and I think, you know, from a, you talked about people and culture. When we as Americans travel to other countries, um, I'll pick on France because I actually love France. Mm-hmm. It's my, probably my favorite European country. And it's because, they, oh, they're rude or they don't know, they don't like Americans. And I think it's really about we don't listen. We talk before we listen. And one of the greatest things that I learned when I moved to Belgium is I I found at the beginning it wasn't as welcoming as I thought it should be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And once I learned French, I started speaking French at the grocery store and in this store and that shop, and I realized they just wanted me to try. They yes. wanted me to yep. listen and then try. Yep. And then oftentimes they would say, hey, I want to practice my English. Can we speak right. in English? Right. But they wanted me to try. Yeah. Which so, I think is one of those human things, right? Yeah, it's it the, is. Are you going to put the work in, right? I'm yeah. willing to make an effort. Well, oh, okay. I'm going to be more invested. And, and yeah. But that's the listening. And so mm-hmm. that was me really understanding what is the culture of Belgium. Yep. And I don't know how much you know about Belgium, but it's really split. So there's the northern part of Belgium, which is close to the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And then there's the southern part of Belgium that's close to France. And so they speak two different languages. Mm-hmm. And they're two very different cultures within the same country. Mm-hmm. And so literally I would drive from here across the street and be <laughs> in the other part of Belgium. And the street signs would change. Wow. And so even at that level of nuance, I had to listen more than I spoke. Mm-hmm. When you put that in the business world and I was doing – it's interesting. I did some um, consulting with – a company, even though it was located in the Wallonia region, which is the southern part close to France, mm-hmm. the person that started the company was from the northern part. Mm-hmm. So I went into that initial meeting with kind of a preconceived idea of mm-hmm. how I should interact with him. Oh, he's yeah. from the southern part, but he was from the northern part. Yeah. And so that really taught me a lot about when you're going to do business, especially when it comes to marketing, you really need to understand where you are and how it can even change within the same country. Yeah. Um, so listening is, is, is hugely yeah. important. Well, and I want to say one thing about that, and this is off topic, but I do think that some of those same problems happen here in America, not even just yeah. within Georgia, right? Sure. If you're in inside the perimeter, mm-hmm. you have a belief about the businesses and their sophistication and their pace and all of it. And if you're outside the perimeter and you go a little further out, you have an assumption, you know, I think Chattanooga is a good example of that, right? It's not Silicon Valley, but a whole bunch of Silicon Valley people have moved into Chattanooga because sure. the entrepreneurship, you know. So I do think people can, you know, make generalizations mm-hmm. about uh, uh, different um, – uh, it is still cultural, right? The the, the cultural realities you find yourself in and what that means. Um, you know, another thing I made a note about that – I think we focus on a lot um, in in global organizations when we're dealing with marketing in particular is there is a difference between the business and the brand because you could have a global company that you have whole different cultural realities, organizational issues, changes, things 
But in some of those companies, the brand you're selling is an American brand and you want it to be an American brand. And in some of those companies, you need a brand to absolutely become what it needs to be on the ground in those countries. And those are different problems mm -hmm. to solve um, from a marketing problem. Um, what about um, work style? I know we talked a lot about work style and lifestyle, and I know we're, we're touching on the human stuff, and we're sure. going to get a little more into the practice of marketing later. But talk about some of those things that you experienced doing marketing and maybe in your recent experience because, I, you know, so when, when did you go back? Like help help sure. our listeners with when did you recently go back across the pond? So I moved back to Europe in 2016. Okay. And so um, my wife works for UPS, mm -hmm. and if you're going to move overseas, UPS is definitely the company. <laughs> There's a reason why they, they're masters of logistics. Um, but we moved overseas in 2016. We were in Belgium for three years, and then in 2019, we moved to Switzerland for two years. Got so, it. So it's um, pretty so, recent. So talk about what what were those coming off of right so yeah. we we worked together in that early uh what do you even call that the tens the right tens, in the yeah. early tens we worked together and then in 2016 you find yourself there what was that culture shift like for you from from a work style standpoint sure um well there were there were a lot of things um from a from a work style standpoint uh not to get too much into detail mm -hmm. but it was very difficult for me to penetrate the the work market mm -hmm. um, there. I still was doing some consulting mm -hmm. for companies here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was able to secure some some contracts before I moved. Because your wife great. had the job, <laughs> exactly. but you didn't yet. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I preemptively set up some some work mm -hmm. here stateside that I could do yep. in Europe. But it was it was difficult to penetrate the market there. Um, I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh, one of the benefits that I had as a as what they call trailing spouse when mm -hmm. you're when your spouse has moved mm -hmm. is that um, UPS has got some great great opportunities for mm -hmm. you as the trailing spouse. But one of those is that they connected me with a recruiter in country, mm -hmm. and so I'm meeting with the recruiter, and we're sitting down, and he looks at my resume. He said, "Oh my goodness, you've worked mm -hmm. at Accenture, you've worked at IBM, the Home mm -hmm. Depot, you've had a great career." Yep. He said, but I'm going to let you know now, it's going to be somewhat difficult for you to find a job here. And I said, why? Why? He said, it's the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. I said, what? He mm -hmm. said, yeah. And so he gave me the history of King Leopold in Belgium and what he had done in Africa mm -hmm. and bringing Africans over really as, as workers. Mm -hmm. And when then they fast forward, they brought Moroccans over. Mm -hmm to be workers, but didn't allow them to integrate into society. They basically said, hey, you live here, mm -hmm. but show up to work. Mm -hmm. Like a caste system, yeah. right? They, you, they weren't taught the language yeah. or anything. Yep. And so because of that, they created their own mini society mm -hmm. within Belgium. And so traditional older Belgians associated crime and distrust mm -hmm. with people with a brown skin. Mm-hmm which was mind-blowing to me. Mm -hmm. And so um, I actually was very hurt by that. You mm -hmm. know, I said, okay, here I am in Europe, and that's what the one of the first things that I faced. Right. And, again... A credit to him for oh, shooting I'm straight, so, though. Right? I'm so yeah. thankful that yeah. he did yeah. because that helped me 
take a step back and say, I need to attack this a different right. way. How am I going to go at yeah. this? Yeah. And so um, from a cultural standpoint, I didn't really do that due diligence on understanding the culture from that perspective because I didn't think I had to. Right. I knew what businesses were in Belgium where yeah. I could apply, but that really helped me kind of recenter and say, okay, yeah. how can I penetrate from a marketing standpoint? Mm-hmm. And I realized at that point it was probably better for me to go the consultant route, mm-hmm. continue consulting with some companies here in the States, but really it was going to take you a long it was time take to me get a longer in. Time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so that's what I did and mm-hmm. got an opportunity to consult with some uh, a company there uh, while mm-hmm. I was uh, living in Belgium. And then but what, it was through relationship. And then what about Switzerland? So how so how yeah. did that? So yeah. Switzerland is is first of all, I love Switzerland. It's it's the best place that I've ever lived. Uh, it's the cleanest place I've ever lived. Literally, if there's a party outside your building the night before and there's trash everywhere, by five a.m. it's cleaned up. There's great hot chocolate. I know. Great that. hot yeah. chocolate. <laughs> um, but one of the interesting things that I learned um, l- living in Switzerland is the work culture and and this in Belgium as well when when we take vacation I remember one of my last vacations when I was working here in the states I think I was on the beach and I had one of those water sleeves for your smartphone mm-hmm. so I could take conference calls while my kids are playing in the ocean mm-hmm. that does not happen in Europe yeah. and that I I said what do you mean you're going mm-hmm. on vacation and you won't be accessible right because we'll go on vacation and we'll right. say, hey, I'll have my cell phone. Right. If you really, really need me, I'll log on for two hours each day. Right. That's, no, they said, no, you need to spend time with the people that you care about. Yeah. That's what vacation means. That right. was one of the, the greatest things that I learned. And it really was solidified when we moved to Switzerland because, you know, my wife had a new role and she was then she was over marketing for Switzerland and Austria. Mm-hmm. And so one of her one of her uh, direct reports said, yeah, I'm going on vacation for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And they were going to be gone for three weeks. Yeah. Like Go gone off mm-hmm. the radar. And it was totally fine and acceptable. Yeah. And so it really helped me understand vacation is about recharging and re-energizing. Yep. Yep. But then the, <laughs> the other interesting thing that I learned while I was there is how they do business mm-hmm. and some of the interesting ways that they do business there. And in our in our prep conversation, mm-hmm. I, I told you about the spa. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we were um, we were still living in Belgium. We were about to move to Switzerland. This is, this is building rapport with people. This is building building rapport. rapport. Yeah. yeah. And we went skiing in Austria, and they had an adult spa as a part of the the ski resort. And so, buddy of mine, he's like, "Hey, let's." He said, "This spa is amazing. We've been here three times." He said, "The only thing is." You have to take your robe off while you're in the spa. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Then yeah. I'll just have my swimming trunks yeah. on. He's like, no, I don't think you understand. You have to be naked. Mm-hmm. And I said, hmm, mm-hmm. I have to be naked. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, let's go do it. Mm-hmm. Because literally you sit in these in these chairs inside the most beautiful spa I've ever been in, mm-hmm. and it's all glass in front of you, and you're looking at the Austrian Alps, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Covered with right, snow. Right, you're not looking at each other. No, you're looking exactly. at the mountains. Yeah. But so – I came, we were in there for a little while. I called my wife and said, you've got to come in here. She was like, no, I'm good. I'm not doing it. <laughs> She's yeah. not, I'm not doing yeah. that. So later that evening, we were talking and with, we were there with five other couples and we were talking about how, 
how the difference is in how we vacation versus how they vacation there Mm -hmm. and what is a cultural norm versus what's a cultural norm for us. Mm -hmm. And one of my um, friends, he said he had been in Europe, I think, for five years. He's from the States. These these were all people from the States. And he said, oh, from a work standpoint, just wait until you're invited to a work meeting at Mm -hmm. a spa. Mm-hmm. So I forgot about that. <laughs> Fast forward, and we're in Switzerland now. And my wife said, hey, so apparently there's going to be a meeting at a spa. And I said, oh, what are you no, talking no, about? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you think about that, that's totally normal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. here, you know, we finish the work day or we may be at a conference and yep. we're like, oh, let's go get some beers. Yep. They're going to go, gonna to, the go spa. to the spa. Yeah. Right. Naked. Naked. With each other as coworkers, mm-hmm. having conversations about work naked. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, for us as Americans, we're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You're going to sit with your coworkers naked? Yeah. But think about how <laughs> the vulnerability. I was going to say trust building. I mean, come off on, the chart. right? So you're sitting there with coworkers in your most natural form and there's nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that mm-hmm. while I was working there. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be an adjustment, but I would because mm-hmm. I, you know, I did it in a social setting. But mm-hmm. I would, you know, because mm-hmm. it's all about knowing the person and getting to know them relationally. Mm-hmm. I, I, one of the benefits of living there is you meet people from all over the world, business right. individuals, right. and so um, I was leading marketing for a small startup in uh, Switzerland, and. Everyone on our whole leadership team was from another country, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Our origin was from another country yep. and different nationality. And when you listen to everyone's story about how they do business, even in their country, and how different it is. But one of yeah. the things that really stuck out to me is um, one of my colleagues from Germany, he said, you'll go to a business meeting and you won't talk about the work at all Mm -hmm. until maybe the last 10 minutes Mm -hmm. it's all about let's get to know each other as people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i love that Mm -hmm. because i think we have a sense as americans let's just cut to the chase right Mm -hmm. if you think about just how we eat in restaurants they're coming by every five seconds hey can i help you do you need anything else do you need anything else because they want to free up the table for the next people yeah in europe it was wonderful they said you got the table for two hours yeah and they left you alone right and that was we know that there there are conversations happening within that two hours that something great is going to come out of that. Yeah. And so you look at business lunches, they were the same way. You're there to get to know each other yep. and not rush to the next thing. Yeah. Let's pause. And just to circle back to how we started talking about it, it's listening, right? It's yep. listening and taking that pause, which I think yep. is so important when it, when it comes to marketing in general. But then when you're marketing – in a in a local area that is does not have the same bent that you do yep. and those same presuppositions. Yep. Listening and pausing is so important in really understanding who really is my target audience. It's not about okay, let's just look at the data and see right. what's trending, but the from a personal standpoint, who's the person that mm-hmm. I'm speaking to? You know, I think it's interesting, you know, we talk you're talking a lot about the human side of it, which is so important. I'm always extremely passionate about that because I think we can boil marketing down to bits of data and little squares pushed through digital channels. But 
there is a human side of, of business, both the co-working, the creating of the things, but also then engaging with customers. You know, Certainly if you're in the B2B world, right, it is a much more complex thing. And I don't think you can – I think for younger generations of marketers coming up, I think there is so much focus on the tools, the tactics, the, the programs that you use to push pieces of things places. And – not enough focus on the human beings, right, that you're that you're trying to build these relationships with. I see it a lot in the sales and marketing because sales and marketing lives together. And so you might have all your marketing that is digital, but you might have all your selling that is people, right, or, or a very um, uh, heavily – uh, you know, there, there's a helper, right? There's a sales engineer or, you know, somebody who's really in there listening and fine-tuning and crafting a solution for somebody. Um, talk about that. So I, I want to get into the marketing part a little bit deeper. When you think about, um, you know, uh, some of the work you've talked about. So you talked about Equifax and um, you've talked about companies that, you know, from an appearance standpoint, from a from a brand uh, standpoint or a voice standpoint, what are some of the things that you think companies do poorly when they and, – and maybe this is not Equifax specifically, and, and we're going to touch on a little of it and then we'll come back in the next section. But, you know, what are some things that you think companies need to do a better job of? When it comes to marketing uh-huh. internationally, internationally. Mm-hmm. to a global audience, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked a little bit about a lot about it really mm-hmm. is listening. Mm-hmm. But I think it's understanding what message you're trying to communicate mm-hmm. and being comfortable with that message, not necessarily representing how you would have done it in the States. Right. I think yep. that's the biggest yep. uh, the biggest thing to remember, because, again, we have our marketing messages the teams have put everything together. Mm-hmm. We have all the talking points from our perspective. Yeah. Is there a way, and and uh, maybe we'll, we'll go into this in the next section, but I'm going to tee you up and you can think mm-hmm. about this for a minute. I think that data-driven marketing is such an emphasis right now, and I think that it is easy to find data about customers and consumption patterns and behaviors, but maybe not as much about those mores, those cultural norms, and some kind of interested in how does a marketing team learn that side of the equation in addition to what their data and insights team tells them about customers. So, Chew on that for a minute, and we will be right back with Dorian Usherwood on Marketing Madhouse. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. We're back with the Marketing Madhouse and our guest, Dorian Usherwood. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the um, 
the human equation, right, and how interesting and different it is in different parts of the world. But when you think about marketing specifically, I think there's been a lot of focus in the last few years on digitization, on, you know, software tools, um, on data-driven insights and finding um, interesting and new sources of data who will answer the question for you, right? And and I don't think it's always that the data will answer the question. Um, but when you think about um, some of – how does a marketing team today learn about the markets that they're going into if they if they are truly a global business just talk about that for a minute sure so if you don't have an office in that location then my recommendation is to find a partner mm-hmm. um I, even at equifax when we were doing that work with um the office in madrid initially i was a little taken aback because you remember we were doing that agency alignment mm-hmm. um initiative and we were primarily looking at agencies that were U.S. based, mm-hmm. and the team there, actually the team in London as well, they said well, we have an agency here, mm-hmm. and I said, yeah, that makes more sense because mm-hmm. the agency there knows the culture there, and right. so I think partnerships are huge, right? Yep. When it comes to a marketing team, there are wonderful partners in the location. You just have to find them out, but it also requires you to kind of get naked, right? Like right, we talked right, about right, in the spa, right. and say, okay. I may not know it all, but there's a company in, we'll pick on Sweden since you mentioned them in the beginning, that is in Sweden that does great work, that knows that local market. And we have to be comfortable with bringing other people into the conversation, whether it's a consultant or an agency. But there is a little bit of you know, humble pie that we have to eat and say, okay, we don't know it all. The data is the data, and that's great. However, we need to understand those cultural norms where we're trying to develop marketing. Yeah, yeah. What about um, when you think about, um, or when I think about some of the marketing challenges in different places in the world, part of what made marketing challenging was not just how do we speak the language and how do we make the, the visual appeal to the person, but Often the company does entirely different things in different parts of the world. Like, you know, your your story of value in America is completely irrelevant in Latin America or, you know, it's just totally different um, in so many places. So how how have you seen that come come to bear? Like, do, do you have marketers that try to take the same bag of tricks somewhere else? And how do you get them to focus on what they really need to do in each local place? Yeah, you know, I can actually use a couple of examples. Okay. Specifically in Switzerland, there was a previous marketing um, person in the role before I came in and took over. And, you know, I could have easily said, you know, and they even said to me, oh, it's great to have, you know, an American marketer mm-hmm. here on the company. And I said, that's great, but I want to understand what was done before. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the person that was here before, they were actually from here. Mm-hmm. And, there was a, a junior person on the team mm-hmm. that I spent a lot of time with mm-hmm. trying to understand the local market, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, yeah, it's easy for me to say, hey, I'm going to bring my 20, at the time, 26 years of experience, and I know how to make mm-hmm. this happen. I wanted to take that step back because I had been there now almost five years, mm-hmm. you know, when I said, no, the better way is for me to actually understand what has been done before and what has been successful. Yeah. Um, and so I did a lot of research. One of the benefits of where we lived in Switzerland, we lived actually 
in a historic building that was on the campus of the Basel University College of Art and Design. Mm. So literally on the ground floor of our building was the design library. Oh, wow. And so there was a great opportunity for me to have access to great information of what had been done before and what resonates. Yeah. And Art Basel, I don't know if you've ever been, but I'll tell you, Art Basel is great because, it's, yes, it's about art, but art also in the form of marketing. So you have mm-hmm. wonderful conversations with people that talk about marketing in a way that I had not heard, specific to Switzerland, mm-hmm. right? And so if you know anything about Switzerland, everything is very exact and very precise. Yes. yes. But what's interesting is their marketing, they're very creative in the way that they market mm-hmm. their products and services. So yep. again, it's it, it, I had to repeat it, but it goes back to listening and, yep. and that pause. Well, and, and, and stories. I mean, everybody yeah. talks about marketing stories. And again, it shouldn't be the story of the company. It should yeah. be the story of this audience and mm-hmm. this local market with you, right? Yeah. And, and and that is very different in different places. But I think the, the other thing that I learned there is they are probably somewhat challenged as well in – you know, being European marketers and understanding what may resonate in the U.S. Right, right. And so I, I, I shared with you uh, earlier that there was a there was a, a commercial an ad campaign that I saw in Europe, and if that was played in the mm-hmm. states, I mean, there would be right all Riot kinds of streets. uproar. Oh, one hundred percent, right? Yep. But there, oh, there was no mm-hmm. uproar, mm-hmm. right? Because that was appropriate for Switzerland mm-hmm. and their understanding. So I had to change my the way that I looked at that commercial mm-hmm. because, you know, my wife and I looked at the TV and we're like, oh, my gosh, did you see that? Right. And then a few days later or maybe a, a couple of weeks later, we saw an actual billboard mm-hmm. replicating the same commercial. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, now from a creative standpoint and a messaging standpoint, it was beautiful and mm-hmm. it was on target. However, from my American eyes, mm-hmm. I thought it was all out of bounds. So I, th- I think I think it goes both ways, right? Yeah. yeah. But again, their focus really is their local market, right? Unless they're going to open an office in the U.S. Yeah. Um, I, as much as I want to go on for like three more hours, because y- you've been lots of places and have lots of great stories, and I get to hear the I get to hear the stories offline, which is is even better. I have a very quick final question for you, yeah. and that is, um, you know, when we look at sort of leading. Uh, marketing firms, the best ones don't just have a great product or a good product brand. They have an, a strong employer brand and they are corporate citizens. You know, they, they have a bigger idea of where they fit. Is there any company that you think uh, does a good job with all three or two of them? Or, you know, who do you think is a, is a really upstanding corporate citizen kind of company? Yeah. So if I look at I can't say a marketing-specific company, but um, the company where I work right now, Mm -hmm. uh, Synchrony, and I'm not here speaking on behalf of the company. Mm -hmm. I have to, you know, say Say that that. disclaimer. (laughs) Um, From an employee brand standpoint, Mm -hmm. I've never worked in an organization or have been close to an organization that does it as as well as they do. Um, It's just it's literally outstanding. It's and you feel it whenever you walk into one of the buildings. Um, I had an opportunity to go to the corporate office in Stamford a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we are a remote-friendly company, mm-hmm. hybrid company, where mm-hmm. you can be in office. They let you choose, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that opportunity speaks very well of 
we care about the people. Mm -hmm. And you get to choose how you want to work. Do you want to work in office, remote, or hybrid? And you and feel that consistently, consistently, like you said, you're in Connecticut versus yeah. here in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so I go into the office once a month here in mm -hmm. Atlanta. It's about 15 minutes from where I live. And it's great because when you walk in the office, there is continuity to when you get back on screen mm -hmm. with your colleagues. So mm -hmm. from an, an employee standpoint, fantastic. And that definitely spills over to the community. Yeah. Uh, the way that we touch the community and invest in the community, I think, again, I've never seen it uh, at another company the way that, that Synchrony does it. So I'm grateful that I've had this opportunity mm -hmm. uh, to experience that because I think it it really helps me understand and solidifies what's important to me. Right. Um, while I was away from big corporate for five years living in Europe, something that really became important to me was my family mm -hmm. and people. Mm -hmm. And the access that I had to my family was greater than I had ever had. Mm -hmm. And we, of course, had that access in a beautiful part of the world. But coming back, I wanted to make sure that a culture that I re-entered from a work culture standpoint, mm -hmm. that family and time with people that you love and care about yep. was paramount. Yep. And it is where I am right now. Yep. And then the community, the people around you, yep. the community around you. I think a lot of companies, yeah, you may have – a, a wonderful year and a fantastic quarter. Mm -hmm. But if the community in which you live and breathe yeah. is not impacted by that, yeah. I think you've missed the ball. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I could not agree more. Um, obviously, we we do a lot of work at my company to make sure we are all, you know, together and feel it. And, and you know, you use the word family. I, I was raised in a family business. You know, I think there there is a way that you conduct yourself when you feel something deeper with the people that you work with. Um, well, I cannot thank you enough for joining me, uh, Dorian Usherwood. Uh, it, it was wonderful to visit with you to talk about the um, wide world, the crazy wide world of marketing. I'm your host, Moira Vetter, and this is Marketing Madhouse. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.